I've actually talked about how they like the little banter before we get into the. I told you that. I know. I've other people have said it. Yeah, I said it. I've heard it. Why? Do, why does everything have to be the same all the time? Why does why everything have to be, be your way? Why can't we be new and innovative? Because uh, we're firemen. Yeah, we like we don't like change. Yeah. Haven't you got the memo? I think that was an email. You don't know how to use email. I used email before. <laughs> yeah, like when it first came out in high school, it made you use it. I, I, I used it. I used the electronic mail once. Yeah. He, he used AOL. <laughs> you got mail. <laughs> I actually did not use the internet until I went to college. I remember when I was I a little, believe that. little kid. Old Louisiana, so we're getting them right there. A middle school? Dude, I don't even think we had dial-up down there. Probably not, because you're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You didn't get that signal. So like, telephones. Did you guys have like... Are you still on the party line? Mom, No, that's not a party line. No, that was the neighborhood. That was the neighborhood. You can pick up and listen to your neighbor's conversation. They're talking shit about me. I knew Randy took my trash can. No, but I have told this story before. I grew up, we had one TV channel with our antenna until we extended our antenna out. And then we got two TV channels. You had to go above the tree line. Did I ever tell you how we extended the antenna out? Some of so, I don't think so. Way. Okay, so this is a good story. So we unbolt the antenna from the house, and it's, you know, one of those long poles mm-hmm. that, you know, it, you twist it and it turns, you know, pick up signal better, right? So we unbolt it from the house, the strap that's holding it to the house, and we set it down. And we're trying to extend it out. And, of course, you know, we're me and my dad, not strong enough because this thing has been set up for probably 25 years and it's rusted together and this and that. So we take a piece of rope and wrap it around the bottom of it and then take another piece of rope to the top, wrap it around, tie it off. Did you get the four wheelers out? Lawnmower. Oh, <laughs> awesome. Yes. That's and awesome. tied it to the tree to where it was anchored and then took the lawnmower, shoved it into fifth gear, let off the brake and just bang, let it jump and it popped it out. So it worked. It worked. It's not stupid. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then we put it back up, bolted it back to the house, and all of a sudden, hey, we got NBC and Fox. That's the most Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went out in the backyard and killed some squirrels. Go had, Tigers. Had, yeah. <laughs> had to get dinner, man. <laughs> hey, man. You know what? It's, it worked. I don't yeah. care. It worked. And welcome to the Washdown Podcast. <laughs> I'm your host, Jeremy Green, co-host Chris Nelson, and with us, our producer, James Moran. If you guys can hear in the background, there's a lawnmower running because we're having some technical issues, so they're out there solving it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Got to extend that Ethernet cable. <laughs> I want to hike up the squirrels, though. I mean, I kind of see Jeremy out there with a little sticky sharpened with rocks. Well, I'd probably just throw rocks at him. Pecan shells <laughs> with a slingshot. Shoe. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, I only had one pair of shoes. You can't be. No. Can't take the risk of losing one of them. And besides, I had a hole in it. The squirrel could just go right through it. He heard it whistling as it came. He heard it whistling as it came to He's like, oh. <laughs> Not today, size 11, Nike. <laughs> yeah, that was sixth grade, size 11. Jeez. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, I had a thought, and I know it's rare. 
I can't get over the lawnmower. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, I'm, I can see it. In my, I can see it in my head. <laughs> All right, let her off. <laughs> Whoa, you got it. You got it. Hit the brake. Yeah, what happens if you went too far? Get the sledge out? <laughs> or you you gonna be like like an old timey knight? Be like, all right, start running the tree. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So I do love Louisiana, though. I do. Yeah, I really like the state. So. I was thinking on my long drive back on Sunday, as my Jeep broke down again. So, yeah, I know. We've already talked about that. And I know you're fighting it. <laughs> and I appreciate that. But I had a lot of time to think. As Chris dies laughing. No, it's because I've got like 20 comments in my head. And I know he's got about 20 in his. We need to do this like a special feature for like 20 minutes. We just rag on Jerry. Like a roast. We did, we did that with Rachel. Remember yeah. we started? It was, it was, it was like 30 hour. minutes before we got to go on the topic. And then, then we kept throwing him in there. And she had a lot of fun. Yeah. So, but anyway, anyway be sure to like and subscribe and watch oh, that episode. Yeah. I gave myself a headache. <laughs> so I had a lot of time driving back to think about expectations. I'm surprised you could hear your thoughts. Oh, sorry. That's it. Oh, that's all I got. Oh. yeah. Well, once I removed those hood vents, dude, you can't believe how loud that thing is. <laughs> and yeah, it was, I had the radio cranked. Which, uh, that's another thing. I had to replace the radio before I left. Yeah, it's it's a never-ending thing. So, but I'm done with it. It's like a boat, It man. is what it Jeeps, is. Boats God, it's like a boat. So, which brings us to the conversation of expectations and letting things go. And when is the point that you have to just say, you know, enough's enough, and I'm going to let it go. And I think for me, I hit that point on this trip on the way back whenever it broke down again for the umpteenth time. Now, whenever it works, it works awesome. I mean, that Jeep will go anywhere. But I just can't rely on it anymore, you know, and trust it. So it's time to, you know, pull the ripcord, as they say, and just let it go. Fix it up get rid of it and then move on to something new so you're gonna buy another second jeep no no i'm just gonna keep the my rubicon that i have now i don't put money into that and which it doesn't really need much just a couple maintenance things new driver I mean, it'll get it'll get to the point where you got to well, spend the money and then yeah you got the new truck that's gonna be some money yeah you know, getting it yeah, ready. Parts for that thing is are not cheap. I mean, I've done a little bit of research. I'm gonna laugh when his wife's truck is better than his Rubicon. I don't think that's ever gonna happen. Come on, man. What's mine is yours. What's yours is mine. Yeah, 
well, what's hers is hers and what's mine is hers. That's yes, how marriage it, works. Mine's different. <laughs> it's mine is mine. And mostly hers. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Nope. It's mine. It's mine. Yeah. Really? You get new speakers on your bike? Going to. Yeah. Who wanted new speakers on your bike? Just because she wants them. Ah, there we go. Ah, there you there go. There we go. Besides, yep. who's on the bike every single time it goes out? That's not the point. Who wanted new speakers on the bike? Yeah. Who's losing storage space for those new speakers? Not going to losing storage space. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. <laughs> don't, don't let them lie to you, dude. No. That's, that's, why, that's why I'm getting the extended bags. And you're going to end up with about <clears throat> the same space or less than. Mm-hmm. And a better look. And a louder stereo. That your wife wanted. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. So, moving on. Expectations. It's hard being right, you know? Yeah, I know. I was wrong once. <laughs> but I was right that I was wrong. I was right that I was wrong. <laughs> I've made one mistake my whole life. <laughs> Sitting here with you two. That's why beer in there. Anyway... So I was thinking about the expectation of, you know, whenever you go into treatment and, you know, basically you're, you get better. And then, especially if it's an inpatient thing, whenever you come out, the tendency is to have an expectation of, well, now that you're better, everything's better. And a lot of people... And I think I was, I might've been a little bit guilty of this myself. Um, a little less so than some other people I know. Um, but that's not how things work. It's just because you're better. doesn't mean all the problems went away. You know, you still have to come out and you have to deal with real life and you have to deal with everything that put you into treatment to begin with. I know when I came out of treatment, it, it put in and I don't know how it was for you. It, it, looking back on it, it was almost like treatment was the vacation and I had to come back to reality. I had the luxury of just having to focus on myself. Mm-hmm. And then you come back out to having to focus on the mess you created before you went in there. And that was, looking back on it, where the real work started for me. Yeah. Absolutely. So it kind of sounds like the show The Good Place. You watched it, right? Uh, The Good Place? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So humans are one way on Earth, Mm -hmm. and they get the point value, and that's how you get to the good place or the bad place, right? Mm -hmm. So when you take away all the factors... Like, some people would give their grandma flowers is the example they use in the show. Yeah. And 680 or whatever, mm-hmm. and they got five points from it. Mm-hmm. But then today, you give your grandma flowers, and you get negative 34 points because it's all the bad stuff that goes into pesticides, the human trafficking that help pay for it, and, you know, just break it in, whatever it is. Yeah. And then when you take away all that, all the people they were in the – you know, the four humans that were in the good place got better. Kind of like that with treatment. You take all those outside factors out, mm-hmm. and you get better. But on the outside, everybody's getting worse because they it's 
they're, they're stewing because of what put you in there and what you might have done to that person and not realized it. Yeah. So that person doesn't heal, and then you come out, and you're better, but they're mad at the world still, and you, and then... If not even more mad at you, because... Yeah, you're better. You're, you're happy, and they're not. Yeah. And they're going to take out their frustration and anger on you. And, and that must cause you to start going downhill again. I don't know about you, but I didn't see it coming. I never thought about it. Until I was out, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we still got to talk about that. So the program that I was in was very good and that's the only one I can speak to because it's the only one I've ever been in but they were very good about like setting that up for you and making you aware that hey just because you've been in here and you're you know better doesn't mean that everybody else is and all the stuff that happened you still have to deal with that and you know, be prepared because there's, and I can't remember which term they used, but it's basically like the treatment hangover, you know, like six months or 10 months out, you know, you're going to hit a wall and it's going to be, shit's going to get bad, which I mean, thankfully it didn't happen for me because I think I managed my expectations a little bit better. I think it helped you being married to somebody who does that for a living, who's a counselor. Yeah. That definitely helps you out a lot, where a lot of people don't have that. I mean, it was an, it's an advantage. Yeah. When it comes to you healing and her healing and the people that are close to you. Yeah. Which I don't disagree with that at all. I mean, I, I credit Rachel with... She had so much influence on the recovery and being able to stay that way mm-hmm. with how she was towards me. Um, she knew what to look for if you started slipping. You know, well, see those signs real not, quick and- not even that, but not doing like, you know, I'm not going to mention any names or anything like that, but I know of people, what we'll say that haven't had that from their spouse or from the people in their lives and they've let's say they've not done well because they don't have that support system mm-hmm. you know and when while you were in there I mean her and I talked all the time because yeah. she needed an outlet too and but yeah. it, it kind of prepared me for what was going to happen that way I wouldn't just come in and be me <laughs> and sit you right back into it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Got to be a little nicer. I am nice. No, no, no. Hey, no not your nice. Not your nice. <laughs> Real nice. No, oh. Actual nice. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that helps because so. now people that, you know, making you making somebody like me aware of it who's never done the treatment or anything like that. Yeah. But what to expect coming out. Yeah. So, and then also, you know, even broadening that out is, you know, the people, like you said, you talked about of the people that I, or that you interact with, you know, your group of friends, Mm -hmm. they're going to see you differently. That's just the fact of the matter is that's what it's going to be. And you have to prepare yourself for that. Yeah. So you, unfortunately you may lose friends. You may, you're probably going to gain friends, you know, 
but that's just a normal course of life. I mean, I don't think anybody. But people are going to, a lot of people are going to see you different. They don't understand. Yeah. You know, it's just like anything that somebody doesn't understand or you hear. If people don't, you know, it's like rumors. Don't believe rumors. Yeah. If you didn't see it, don't believe it. Yeah. Because only about a third of it's true, if that. Same thing because I may come out of treatment. If you don't understand, your opinion is going to be wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've I've had multiple conversations with several people who think they're experts on you talking about us treatment and mental health. No, not you talking guys. about himself. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm not an expert. Yeah. I just know what I've seen. But I people that have no clue. And we'll sit there and make comments and, oh, this is all you have to do and yeah. this is that. No, that, that's not how the brain works. That's not how your body works. That's not how, you know, how you get better. Yeah. You know, all the things that you're saying, yeah. I mean, they sound great. How do you do them? What's the, what's the technique? What's the coping skill? You can't just get get over it. Yeah, as much as you as much as yeah. we all want to, you can't just let it go and you know no. you can't sing the Frozen song and be happy. Yeah, in it's, four and a half minutes. Well, that's the thing; it's a process, and it's people a slow have to process. Un- yeah, it, and especially in our profession, we don't like slow processes. No, we are. Let's get in. Let's get it fixed, and let's move on. And that's not how it works, especially with mental health. And people don't understand that. And maybe that's part of. I think that's part of the education, the culture change that needs to happen. And just realizing, I mean, it's gotten better. It's gotten so much better. You know, Jeremy, I think even kind of expanding on what you talked about that, you know, most of, some of our viewers may not have went through treatment. Um, and we talked a little bit off camera, like just going through traumatic situations as an individual, the expectation of those around you, you know, especially if like death of a loved one or something like that, you take time off work, get affairs in order, not even necessarily like mental health in order, just get get affairs in order after a death Yeah. and you come back to work and then, you know, especially in like a firehouse or a police station or in, in the hospital, just the expectation of your coworkers that you're close with, because you know, in those professions we are close. And but we're fixers, and sometimes, you know, I started doing something with my grandpa when he starts getting upset. And I'm like, "Do you want a solution or you want sympathy?" I was asking. He's like, "Both." <laughs> you know, sometimes. <laughs> but you know, that's it, it's something that I've had. To, you know, even looking back in my previous marriage, was I wasn't always the most available to just listen. The problem would be presented, and I'd be like, well, we have to solve this. Solve it now. We'll get to your feelings later. we got to solve the problem. I think that's a male thing, too, though. But that's that wasn't always necessarily what was needed. What was needed. Mm-hmm. Or even correct, period, sometimes. Sometimes there, there was no solution. There was, just, there was this venting about it. But, you know, it, it is just, just as we have to prepare, like, for, you know, if we've been in treatment, or even even if we've taken time away from, from work or family or friends, you know, 
to solve a problem, just like we have to prepare to deal with the real world when we get back. Those around us and those that love us have to prepare for us when we come back. And it's uh, it's hard because, again, if we don't know, you know, but even at the same time, your treatment may have been different than my treatment, may have been different than Chris's treatment, may have been different from Joe Schmo's treatment. It's not, nothing's ever exactly the same. So you can't ever have some, you know, uh, curriculum for a proper response because right. it's just so variable. Well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, with going through everything and learning what I've learned about mental health and treatments, and there is no one treatment that works. I mean, we could have the same problem and two totally different treatments would work. Whatever works for me won't work for you, you know, and vice versa. And I think, you know, as far as for family members and friends and all that stuff, it, that's no different. There's an education piece, you know, but then also, you know, an understanding that has to, you know, be made available to them, which I think by and large is not done. And I mean, it's, where do you draw the line? You know, who's going to do that? Who's responsible for that? Whatever. And I don't think there's a good answer for that. Um, kind of falls on and that's why I'm kind of I look at it as from the person who's gone through treatment from that perspective it's kind of your responsibility to manage your own expectations and understand what's going on so when, so. when you went through yours did you have were you allowed to have visitors because mm-hmm. I know you did yeah I know Rachel went down there I went down there mm-hmm. and <clears throat> I think that kind of gave you some a little bit of an insight for me going in blind yeah, and seeing what's going on, you kind of talked about it, what your treatment was, but I think whenever, if they do a family day or whatever, you have visitors, they could give you something, a pam- at least like minimum pamphlet of this is what's going to happen. You know, this is, it doesn't matter what you're in for. These are our steps. This is what they're going to go through. And this is what's going to happen when they get home. And maybe, kind of prepare you as being on the outside of what needs to be done to heal for yourself. You know what I mean? And then to help them heal and then heal together. Yeah. And a pamphlet's bare minimum, you know, yeah. like, you know, cliff notes or whatever you want to call it, but something. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, depending on the situation, obviously, cause every situation is different. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Maybe there should be counseling both ways. Yeah. You know, and that's something to think about. Yeah. Because, I mean, let's just be perfectly honest. Whenever, you know, whoever goes through whatever they go through, that affects, that's a traumatic event Mm -hmm. for the family. Especially because a lot of these times, too, there's a traumatic event that precedes all of it. Yeah. So why is it okay to think that the family doesn't need some kind of support and help? It's just this person. I mean, yeah, this person may be quote unquote the problem, but he's put the family through all kinds of trauma. Yeah. 
But I, th- and I think that comes down to a couple things. One, people not wanting to get help or refusing to. You know, family-wise, like, no, I'm not the problem. They are. Yeah. They need to fix it. Yeah. I don't have to do anything. Yeah. So changing that mentality. And then, unfortunately, the biggest piece, what everything comes down to in this world, money. Yeah. Because it'd be, I mean, it'd be expensive to fund, I'd pay for out of pocket. Yeah. Does your insurance cover it? Do you have insurance? You know, I'm not sure what insurance covers as far or what ours does as far as <clears throat> getting counseling help. If there's a copay, if it's an expensive copay, if you get so many free sessions. Could you just, could you imagine what veterans of the police and fire department would be like if we, actually, I, I, you can't imagine, and I'll I'll follow it up. If we didn't have at least like decent insurance available to us, think about like the military veterans we see with their compounding mental health and they're homeless and they just like, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, we sometimes I don't think we realize how blessed we are to at least have some sort of opportunity available. I mean, one, our, our insurance is, I have no complaints. Yeah. We have really good insurance, but I think another big factor that I hadn't got to yet was staffing. There's what one mental health professional for a million people. Maybe I don't know what the, the exact numbers are, of course, but yeah. I mean it's well, one I mean, to a lot. Yeah, I mean you if know. you're looking, and since you brought up the military, we'll hit that real quick. You heard you heard about the latest veteran suicide, didn't you? Huh. The kid that played in Ricky Bobby, or not Ricky Bobby? Um, Talladega Nights. Talladega Nights. One of his kids. I think it was the. I think it was the, the younger one that I'll come at you like a spider monkey. Uh huh. Kill himself. He's a veteran. I didn't know that. I want to say it was Army. I think it was a Ranger, maybe is what I read. Hmm. I think. But I know he's in the military. Yeah. But I read the article and he yeah. killed himself. And he was 28, 29, something like that. Young. Hmm. Hadn't heard that. But I mean, it just goes right into what we're talking about. Well, and the help and. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, what I was going to say is you look at wait times. To get in. So, like, if you're a veteran and you're trying to go through the VA, you know, to get your mental health, whatever, to see your psychologist or therapist or whatever, you're talking, I mean, six-month wait times or longer. I mean, you can't wait that long when you're in crisis. Uh, You know? The amount of veterans that we have and the amount of counselors we have or therapists or... Whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Well, and it's it's no different than, you know, us in the fire service. is because we don't deal with crap until we get to that crisis point. Well, then, okay, well, now, okay, I'm going to call a therapist. Great. Okay, I can get you in three months from now on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm on shift that day. Next opening is four months out. Like, yeah. That's exactly yeah. how it works. Yeah. So, and I don't, I don't know if it's just a shortage of therapists. I, I think that's with, I mean, everybody, I mean, that's a, it's a, it's a very specialized job and a lot of schooling and it's yeah. expensive. Yeah. You know, so again, we're going back to money and they don't make very much and they don't make a whole lot. So now you got a mountain of student debt and 
you're making pennies on the dollar. Yeah. I would like to see the, the numbers of therapists that start out and then switch to a different career field because they can't make a living at it. Yep. Kinda and like, it's kind of like social workers. Mm-hmm. You just long hours, low pay doing a critical job that there's never enough time or money for. Uh-huh. And even if you, even if you are, you know, you get your report in and you, you, you know, something needs to get done. Mm-hmm. There's so much red tape that you have to go through that you don't always get the right outcome doesn't always happen. No, just cause you know what needs to be done. Doesn't mean you can do it. Cause if you go around that red tape, well now you're wrong. You could lose your job. You could lose your, your license, every, every, your license, yeah. you could lose your freedom. Yeah. You know, and it's dangerous. And I know people don't want to think about it, but even being a therapist or a counselor or psychologist could be dangerous. Absolutely. You never know that person sitting across you is going to snap and you're trying to help, but you're also trying to be honest. Yeah. Something I'll never, you know, people sometimes in fire, you know, civilians are like, oh man, we could never do your job. We couldn't see the blood or we couldn't do the fire you know, with, with fire cops, like, oh, we, you know, we couldn't do all, like, I couldn't be a therapist, man. I could not for eight hours a day or take on the problems of the world and not be able to do a damn thing about it. Really? Like, you just, like, you are a, a verbal punching bag for everything that goes on, and somehow you're supposed to make sense of it and help them cope with it. And turn around and do it again. And turn around and do it again. Yeah. And turn around. I, and adjust per person. I yeah. couldn't do it, man. I, I'm telling you, I couldn't do it. You see eight people in a day, and all eight are completely different. And you got to be able to switch gears. Mm-mm. That sounds terrible. And it's not and, and like. Special breed, man. It's not a knock on <laughs> yeah. people to do it. Like, I, I don't know how they do it. I don't, I don't know how Rachel puts up with you, let alone does that job. Well. Yeah, she goes, she's 24 hours. Yeah. The only break she gets is when you're at work. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, he's calling me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. She's a saint. But, yeah, well, it just talk about that a little bit. I mean, you nailed it whenever you said, you know, well, there's people that say I could never do this. I can never. And then you turn around and go, well, I could never do that. It's about perspective and what your passion is and what your niche is and what you're supposed to be doing with your life. Because whenever you find that thing, you know, like we've talked a million times, you know, about this type of stuff, I couldn't be a cop. There's no way. I'd be a terrible cop. First, I'm allergic to lead. So I don't want to get shot at. It's just a he terrible. got shot in the leg. Yeah, but he's dead. Yeah. He's allergic. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a terrible joke. But, no, I mean, dealing with, you think about it, they show up on scene, nobody's really ever happy to see the police. Because that means somebody's going to jail. You know, whenever we show up on a scene, everybody's happy to see us. We typically don't have to deal with the verbal abuse and all that stuff. And I'm not that type of person. Like, 
I would get fired probably on my first day because somebody would say something. You are not and, allowed to run him over with your patrol car, Mr. Green. <laughs> See what happened was. This is take me down to the academy. <laughs> but the, you got hair stuck in your throat. I think it's. I mean, I think all the allergies, pollen and all the allergies yeah. kicking up. I usually get this time. I get. Allergies. This yeah. guy drives a black car at our station. I walked out this morning. I'm like, that car's not black. That's yellow. Yep. Shit. <laughs> it's that time of year. <laughs> Gotta get a Zyrtec out or whatever. I don't Allegra. know what's up there. I don't know what's up there. I, I just, just take I, it. I literally take it. Between Zyrtec and Clarence until they, it just gets better. Yeah. <laughs> I took the drowsy one one day. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> Got up in the morning, took it. I was like, why am I so tired? <laughs> Oh, well, got to get the car and drive to work. Uh, <laughs> hey, you're driving today. Sweet. Brisket. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I was, I pulled something similar to that. I was having some back issues and I took a couple of muscle relaxers. You took the wrong ones, did you? Uh, no, I mean, I just took two instead of one. And then I went and tried to go play softball. <laughs> That was probably the most fun everybody else on your team had. <laughs> but Jeremy is so nice tonight. Dude, <laughs> I could not run. My legs did not want to work. I couldn't run around the bases. It was just, it was. I was moving in slow motion. It was terrible. I had a uh, bad wisdom tooth before it was taken out. So I haven't been on narcotics since college. I, I got hooked on them too easy. It was a bad deal. And I just have been lucky enough to have the self-control stay away from them. Mm-hmm. So anytime anything bad happens, I'm talking like once a year, maybe I take Tylenol and it works because I never take it. And I'm like, yeah. oh God. Uh. <laughs> so. Don't take the PMs, dude. It was bad. And there's this guy out of my academy class. I love him to death. He's so sweet. He's kind of silly over me. He's just a couple crayon short. <laughs> and so like, I am like in the ambulance and I'm just like shaking. I'm in so much pain from this damn wisdom tooth. He's like, dude, I got something. I'm like, what's that? He's like. Acetaminophen? I was like, oh, Tyler, yeah, I'll take it. Acetaminophen oh. slash <laughs> hydrocodone. Hydrocodone. <laughs> Took two. Oh. <laughs> so, like, like, maybe half an hour later we're on a call. This guy's talking to me. I'm just like, huh? <laughs> Yeah, man, that's fine. We'll go. Let's get in the ambulance. Like, what? I'm like, yeah, let's get in the ambulance, man. It's, it's all good. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. And then, like, the next morning I woke up and I'm like, oh, I feel fantastic. And they're like, dude, we got to talk about it last night. And I'm like, what? And this guy, he's like, dude, after I gave you that, you know, my meds, like, He's like, I know you said you like do weird on Tylenol, but that was weird. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, and I was like, well, let me see the bottle. I'm like, you saw me! <laughs> I was so bad. <laughs> I was just like, oh my god. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why you don't take pills from people. <laughs> well, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless you're at a rave and you know. <laughs> oh man, it was. Oh. I, I took some muscle relaxers one time. I didn't know that they were supposed to be cutting force. I took two. <laughs> That's the best 15 hours of sleep I've ever gotten. I woke up. I was like, resting heart rate yeah. of 10. I was like, I feel great. 
<laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know they're supposed to be cutting board. Yeah. <laughs> but I, th- I thrown my back out. Yeah. And I couldn't stand up. I couldn't lay down. And, that's the weird that's thing. That's the worst. Like I've, I've broken my leg. I've broken a collarbone. Broken an arm. Broken my jaw. And Maybe you still, fight you people. seem kind of fragile. It still never compares to pain of wisdom tooth, dropping a speaker on my toe, or shutting <laughs> this finger in a, the door of a pumper. <laughs> Those are the top three worst you pains know what? of my you know that life. Trip we're going on in August. Yeah, he ain't going. No. What? Well, we're just afraid that riding more than ten miles, you'll. Your butt will break or something. <laughs> I'm afraid we pull up to a gas station. He'd put his feet down. And somehow he'd still fall over. Yeah. And have his bike on top of him. <laughs> like, I didn't see nothing. Get real quick. Is that guy with you? No. Uh, <laughs> click, 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 click. <laughs> Smile. Come on. I would get a Facebook account for that. <laughs> oh, man. Hmm. I didn't realize what was uh, Samuel J- Jackson's character in Unbreakable called Mr. Glass. Mr. Glass. Yeah, Mr. Glass. But it's stupid shit. That's what makes me mad. Like it's never like, oh man, like he was doing something heroic. No, like riding three wheelers and doing dumb shit. That's yeah. I, uh, knocked myself out cold one time, opening my car door too fast. <laughs> Yep, did that. I was in a hurry, and it was just one of those, like... This just goes to show you that anybody can be a paramedic. Fluid, you know, like <laughs> fluid motions, where you're like, you kind of open the door, and you're hopping it at the same time. Mm-hmm. Well, if I would have moved my head this way, when the car door was coming, like, here. So, like, I was, like, foot in, one foot off the air, flinging open the car door, and just, bow! And I don't think it was... The car door necessarily that knocked me out, but when my head then hit the concrete, because <laughs> one foot was in the car, yeah. that's what knocked me out. I can't you know wait to I donate my, my I can't wait to donate my brain to science. Can't wait. I, I totally changed my mind. I want him to go. I want him to be there. That's going to be so much fun. Hey, as long as you guys are fine with spending half the trip in the ER, fine. Oh, no, we'll give you the route. Yeah. <laughs> hey doctor how's he doing well he's intubated well when he wakes up here's the rap for our chair. Yeah. just table this to his chest he won't notice yeah. <laughs> he may not make it well if he does here we go yeah well here call, he, the, call this number somebody will answer yeah he'll catch up fire dispatch <laughs> oh, shit. this is James Moran you guys have a truck and trailer <laughs> Oh, no, sorry. Jeremy Green has it. <laughs> yep. Oh. Yes. You were talking about the bubble, bubble boy? Yeah. It, well, uh, no argument here. Hey, man. I, injuries are just part of the job. It It is what it you is. Know, speaking of that, I was going to say something earlier about it. When I was doing the – every time I've done physical therapy, whether it was my shoulder or my hips, every – five or six sessions they have you fill out a little form and on there it's you know about your progress how are we doing i still hurt yeah yeah but then it says you know it talks about do you feel this injury is getting better you feel like you're gonna get back to work are you depressed about it so i mean they're they're legit asking about your your mental health with it because there is that fear of is this the one that 
you know, and I didn't have any any worries about either of the injuries. Or, I mean, I know my hips are going to go again, but I don't worry about it being a career render hmm. or getting back to. But because the first time I saw, it, I was like, seriously. I don't think they had that questionnaire whenever I went through physical therapy for my knee. Yeah, but that was like 1975. It was not that long ago. Sorry. And I'm 85. not that much older than you two. <laughs> Seriously? How old are you? 41. You're a decade older than me. Mm-hmm. You're over a decade older than me. Mm-hmm. Over two presidential terms older than me. And? That's old, buddy. That's old. This this forty one is not old. That's the new thirty. Didn't, didn't know. That's over the hill. No. Yeah, yeah. That is over the hill. All right. Well, whenever you hit forty one, you let me know how you feel. Good, and then I'll happily remind you that you'll be fifty two. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have been retired for three years. <laughs> he's gonna be like one of those. Uh, he's gonna have a whole brand new body at forty one. At this point. Yeah. He's going to be like the Terminator. And, and are that's how Skynet starts. <laughs> yep. <They're, laughs> that's ground zero. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be a great robot ruler. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be like Bender from Futurama. <laughs> Kill all humans. Not my standing man. <laughs> Dude, I can't that wait. was Roberto. <laughs> yeah, I love that show. Yes, I know. I watch it all the I time. I love that show, I'm too. I want to lie. Like, and this is dead-ass serious. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like, just you know, every, everybody has that thought. And they're like, "Man, I wonder what my death is going to be like." Or you know, like, like just you know, just uh, I have those same thoughts, and then I, honest to God, end those thoughts by reminding myself that that'll be like forty years in the future, and I'll probably have a robotic body or something, and I'll be fine. You'd be a head in a jar. Yeah. I totally don't, be ahead of the jar. I don't think technology is going to quite get there. Really? By that time. Really? Did you think we've had these 20 years ago? 20 years ago? 30 yes. years ago? 40 yeah. years ago? I do I, I do remember. I wasn't thinking anything 40 years ago. I remember that bag cell phone. I was thinking about, I want a bottle. 40 years ago? Mm-hmm. Would you ever thought we'd have the iPhone now? Again. You could order a pizza without ever actually talking to anybody. I know it's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, you could stay in your house and never come out. Yeah, I'm you just can do saying everything from your cell phone. Think about work. all the shit we're going to be able to do that we can't even fathom now in 40 years. Yeah, and that will be the decline of society because uh-huh. humans and the rise of robots, humans. surrogates. Bruce Willis movie. Come on. Yeah, I know. I've seen it. Let me make awesome. my point. Humans mentally are not wired that way. I'll be that wired is however probably, I want because I'll be designed. My body will be designed. That is probably why, or one of the contributing factors of being so reliant on technology, one of the contributing factors of why mental health as a whole has degraded how it has in our country and worldwide. You know, because we don't get the social interaction. We are typically or essentially herd animals. Do you know the... United States' highest week of suicides. Do you know what it was? No. So a week after Robin Williams killed himself. Okay. Expound. So, and I'll, uh, I, I mean, I can bring it up for another episode or just send you guys a link. 
there's a study that talks about how in in a world of being connected and how we and it does have its benefits mm-hmm. and instantaneous information whenever there's like prominent celebrity suicides we see a spike in the nation in suicides mm-hmm. so there's a book that Rachel put me on to and I listened to it on um audible audiobook it's called tribe by sebastian junger and that's basically the premise of the whole book of how indigenous tribes and modern people the difference and like the levels of suicide mental health and all of that stuff they don't have that in those small communities that you know they share everything and you know all of that, that people are happier. But whenever you get to our society and how it is now, people are unhappy, they're cut off, they feel disconnected. That's all a byproduct of how our society is. Yeah, I, mean, I, I definitely there's a correlation between social media, technology, oh, and... Absolutely is. I mean, I mean, people are famous for nothing. I mean, literally, famous for... For n- you have no particular skill. You hit, you're you, you're a worthless individual. You bring nothing to the community as a whole. But you got a yet, YouTube page. But well, it's not even that. You have your own reality show about oh, yeah. you being an idiot, basically. And you're famous, and you got all this money, and people look at that and they try to emulate you. There's no. You, know. watch, you ever watch the newsroom? Uh, the yeah, I watched. Yeah, I watched the first season. That opening, that opening of that show, yeah, was the greatest opening I have ever seen. Yeah, and even if you don't like it, and what he has to say, it's the truth, hundred percent accurate. Yeah, you know, I mean, you get you get looked down if you're smart, mm-hmm. or people look down at you. I, I know I said that wrong, but they they do they degrade you. You know, you you show somebody something with facts. No, you're wrong. No. But is it, and then technologies, the, the misinformation that's out there, everything. Well, yeah. And nobody wants to take that extra five seconds and look it up. And go past the first page of Google. Well, and then even then you sh- you're sifting through this mountain of data. Mm-hmm from all these different sources that are supposed to be reputable, which one do you believe? Because this one says one thing, this one says the exact opposite, but they're both supposedly who you're supposed to rely on so, for information. I don't, I don't know if it's up yet, the episode we shot, but it, it, by the time this, this one is, it'll be up. Yeah. It, um, let's talk about that study last time, you remember? No, you have to. About the, the mental health study where... It was like 95% white males in the study. Oh, yeah. That's part of the problem. Yeah. Is they do these studies, and it's tailored. It doesn't, it doesn't show the... It, well, yeah. it, it's not based well, on the population. Yeah, that's confirmation bias. They know the <clears throat> result they want to get. And they know how to get it. And they know how to get it. And that's what... And it's like how I feel just not that I'm cooks numbers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys were... Not driving backwards nine tenths. Like I'm just like really. 
That's what we're. <laughs> yeah, but the, but the problem is, I mean, and it, it it covers mental health too, and you see it in every, in every aspect. And I'm not trying to get political, but each side is trying to pr- prove their point instead of putting out the actual information. Like mm-hmm. this shows both sides. This shows everybody. This class of people has their suicide rate is this, like upper class, middle class, lower class. And then they don't break it down by, and there it is kind of broken down by a little bit by your race and gender and all that. But I don't think they're looking at everything as a whole. They take, they take, all right, well, and the white, if you're white, you're 20%. If you're black, you're 10%. Asians are 3%. If you're male, it's, you have a 20% chance and female, it's like 23. I don't remember exactly what it was, but so, they take all these numbers like, okay, so everybody, you have a 27.37% chance of committing suicide. And I'm just making up numbers. Yeah. But that's what they're doing. Yeah. Instead of... They're not using the scientific method. No, they're not. You know, and that's, that's what's interesting. I, I think as a... It doesn't prove your point. If you as a country, method. not just... Not, not a fire service, but as a country, I don't want to... I don't want to, like, obviously make it a race thing and say mental health is geared towards the white male in the United States. But it's interesting, you know, we look at the fire service and we talk about the need for cultural competency, right? Like Mm -hmm. those helping us need to have, be competent and understand the culture of which we live in in order to best treat it. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but if you know of any Asian specific counselors or Hispanic specific counselors or Methodist specific counselors or Islam specific counselors, let me know because I have yet to see them. They're out there. so <laughs> But they're it, far and in between, I bet. Well, so, and I'll just give you my experience. Um, Rachel worked at a place that, by and large, the population that they served was Hispanic. So she had to be culturally competent and understand that culture, basically, to work there. And to be able to serve those clients. So there are places out there like that. Are they few and far between? Yeah, most, I don't think most counselors specialize specifically in that kind of thing. Unless so, they're doing like a I'll, traveling thing where they're going to another country and they're serving. I'll tell you that who has way. the right idea, but they're just even far in between would be our Indian reservations. You know, like, I don't know how many times, like, hey, we'll pay for your school if you go do this and come back to the reservation or, you know, go do that and come back to the reservation. Mm-hmm. Problem is they just don't have the resources necessary to be able to, running out of the resources necessary to be able to do that. But that's yeah. also that tribe mentality Jim was talking about earlier. Because it's going to, if I if, we, if the four of us come together and pay for you to go to college and get that education and you come back, now all the money we put into you is going to pay for itself with us because you're going to make the tribe better. You know, I do. Ooh, that would be a <clears throat> interesting subject one day. So mental health on Indian reservations. So, cause that may be the one I, that is so opposite of the tribe mentality. It could be, but I mean, that that's honestly, more true isolation. Yeah. I, I've never been like, to an Indian reservation. Never. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. Except what you see on a documentary and, there's a lot much that can you believe. Men- mental health on Indian reservations is, yeah. So, for improvement. whenever I was getting ready to graduate high school, 
Louisiana, and it kind of ties in or it ties into this a little bit. Louisiana had a program. Um, basically, if you agreed, what's Louisiana, by the way? It's a state. Oh, it's in, it's right between Texas and Mississippi. Oh, I thought that was just a void space. They, that, they don't have counties. They have parishes. Yep. Oh. Because of the French. Because, yes. Because anyway, everybody, in that to, sea level. everybody in that state wants to perish. Sorry, go ahead. It's because yeah, that was it's under Napoleonic dark. law, and that's why it's a parish. Whatever. Anyway, they had a program that if you would agree to stay in Louisiana and teach be a teacher in Louisiana in the mm-hmm. state. Basically you would go to college for free and you had to stay in the state and teach for, I think it was like five or six years. A and lot of states did that. Yeah. And, but the reason that Louisiana was doing it because I was going to do that. And then I found out why is because the average salary of a teacher in the state of Louisiana was actually below the national poverty level by about $7,000. So what people would do would get their teaching degree, come to school in Louisiana, then drive 20 miles over to Texas and make twice as much money. Can you imagine a bunch of little kindergartners? Mr. Green! Mr. Green! Yeah, because that would be the class that I was going to teach. <laughs> no, I see you as a gym teacher. Yep. <laughs> gym teacher and a basketball coach. You and everybody else. Yep. I'm like, sorry, Mr. Green, we have a kindergarten or eighth grade math. <laughs> I failed eighth grade math. I can't do that. You know who the smartest teacher in high school is? Who? The shop teacher? Gym teacher. Mm-hmm. He makes the same amount, or she makes the same amount as everybody else, and they get to do gym all day long. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. You get to wear shorts, the t-shirts. So if that's your perspective, yes. And sweatpants. I mean, that's got to be the dream. And to, back when we were in school, we got to play dodgeball. Yes. And bombardment. We called it killer ball. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> I always like bombardment. Rest in peace, poor little Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> His family's still suing. <laughs> Don't hit him in the face. Okay. Let's <laughs> uh, always aim it for the face. That wasn't even a rule until I was in eighth grade, and a girl got hit in the face and broke her glasses, and then we couldn't play anymore. Why are you wearing your glasses in gym class? Because she had to wear glasses because she couldn't see. I got goggles, man. <laughs> James Avery. Yeah, it's she still didn't see the ball coming at her face. So did yeah. they were they really that effective? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Come on, how how many pro athletes wore goggles in basketball? None anymore, really. Let's go uh, LASIK yeah. context. But back in the day, it was great big. Again, you're talking about BFE Louisiana. <laughs> She's gonna go buy goggles for one hour a day of doing something she hated. We better get a doctor's note. I love gym class. That was my favorite. I think that's just about every boy's favorite class is gym class. But we had like it was until they had to did run. You guys the, have those the mile. foam like, balls, not like a normal like rubber dodgeball, but those like thick foam balls. Yep. No, we so we those. yeah we had like those indoor soccer balls that were like these just thick foam things, and they didn't like bounce like dodgeballs. They just thudded. Yeah, <laughs> they were. Fantastic. 
inertial <laughs> people that dope those things. Because the inertia behind those suckers. Because they probably weighed. I'm talking about neck injuries and all kinds they, of they, stuff. They, probably, they had to have weighed three, three, or, game. three or four pounds a piece. Like just these thick, like basketball size, uh, a little smaller than basketball size, like foam ball. Even yeah, if you caught it, you lost. We had the rubber. We had some of the bigger rubber balls, but then we had balls. a lot of the smaller ones that were like, I mean, just hand size, a mm-hmm. little bit bigger than a softball. Mm-hmm. And whew, yeah, I like playing kickball too. It was it was inevitable somebody was going to take one to the face. See, I, I hate kickball because eh. I just popped it up every time. I'm like, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, you can't kick it with a point of your toe, man. Fan. I just like, now I put, I played kickball as an adult and that was super fun, but it sounds dangerous. Yeah, it was cool for what it was. I liked football, basketball, and that's where yeah. the trauma started. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so expectations and letting shit go. Dodgeball. Yep. <laughs> Get a lot of aggression out in dodgeball. Yeah. Yeah, but is it really the most helpful coping strategy? It worked that I didn't have any problems with it afterwards. Yeah. Now, other people, on the other hand, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to I went to multiple two different high schools, and mm-hmm. I won't tell you which one, but gym class was the best in one of them. There's two rules: can't say the f word, can't say the p word. Everything else was fair game. Even fist fights. Yeah, fist fights were never allowed. We had fist fights. I didn't say they were allowed. I just said. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you this. Just the nobody res- said anything. The response. Yeah. The response to them. You want to talk about letting shit go. The response to fights. I'm, I'm sure with clearly everybody was just different growing up. Like it was. Oh yeah. I. I to me, that taught how to let shit go that was the like we got an issue let's address it let's solve it and then let's learn to move on yeah and like that is a critical skill that we are dwindling now i'm sure there are other appropriate ways well i'm not saying a fist fight with like when you're in high school even as adult is appropriate i mean that's you're talking but it worked well, I mean, I'm not going to throw a punch unless I have to. Immediate consequences. And that's the thing. You know, if you said something or did something, you were faced with the consequences right then. And, and you not, learn by that. Yeah. Not, hey, I'm going to be a keyboard warrior and say all this mean crap to someone that I'm never going to see or that I'm never going to have to physically interact with. There are no consequences in that, you know. And... I mean, think about it. Whenever, especially whenever I was a kid, if you had a fist fight, it was a fist fight. That's that's all it yeah, was. That's as far as it went. Now, so now I'm pulling out a gun. Yeah. Now you might get stabbed. You might get shot. You know. You probably get stabbed or something. It's yeah. not my. You probably will. So the world is. Yeah, the it's world different. has changed. It's different. And I, you know, and not to make a stretch here, but to me, I I, I do think that implies mental health it entails back to mental health because it's conflict resolution mm-hmm. and it's not just like conflict resolution like i have a problem with somebody it's conflict resolution of i have a problem with anything and we're only you know 
that skill is dwindling. Yeah, nobody knows how to work through a problem and it, without or trying solve. to offend somebody. Yeah. Or I said the meaner thing, you know, mm-hmm. and it's all escalation and adult. not de escalation anymore. Yeah. And I think it, maturity level, I think, has dropped. To me, I agree. To me, I think it, that cripples our mental health service. I'll see, you know, I'll give you an example. We have, you know, a local children's hospital here in the metro area, and a lot of the transfers that our fire service runs out of it are all like to children's psychiatric centers mm-hmm. for threatening of like suicidal ideations, you know. And so I, I've lost the, the count of how many times, you know, what's going on. Well, mom wouldn't buy him the Xbox, so I threatened suicide, and mom brought him here. Well, here's here's the first problem. Earn the Xbox. Here's the second problem. They threatened suicide. And here's the third problem. Mom had no coping skills either and brought the patient, you know, brought them here. And just a complete lack of problem-solving skills from, from the top down. And people like you, Jeremy, and like people like me, that when we've explored many other options before going into treatment, like, I'm not sitting here saying, like, we really needed it. But, like, there are people that do put in their due diligence to try and problem solve. And there are those that look at it as a crutch. Mm -hmm. And and it cripples our resource availability in mental health. I think that's some of the issues. Everybody's looking for somebody else to fix the problem. Somebody else fix the problem. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of tells back to personal responsibility. Where accountability, yeah. Yeah, personable, personal accountability and responsibility. And we've kind of, as a society, gotten away from that. Where, yeah, people feel entitled that someone else is going to come in and fix their yeah. problems. People use the 911 system for that. People use everything for that. It's, yes, I have a problem. You have to fix it for me. And Yeah, it, 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 and it's, it, you know, you see PD solving domestic arguments, not like, Fist fight domestic arguments, it's like disputes, yeah. neighborly disputes. You know, you see the hospitals plagued because resources aren't available for somebody to stay warm or stay fed or stay medicated. You see the nine one one system being crippled, but it, it just if the expectation has got to be in mental health that the first step is personal accountability and responsibility mm-hmm. and consequences. There are consequences to your actions. Sometimes, and it's as simple as the word being no. Mm-hmm. No is a consequence. Yeah. So, where did we go wrong in our society? At what point did we say, this is okay? I got a theory. I'd love to hear it. I think it began in the early 90s with the overdiagnosed no C's. Is that the word over? Where we overdiagnosed ADHD. I, think I have it was a, further back. I have yeah. I have a, a different 70s. theory. I have an even different theory than that. I think it started in the forties and fifties, or even earlier. And I think it's just been a slow progression, and every step we started somewhere in the past down this path and every step has led us farther down. It's no different than the issue that we're dealing with right now 
and I won't go into that, but it's time to say, okay, we have to stop. We have to change directions. We need a new plan because what we're doing isn't working. And, you know, and that goes for fire service, mental health, and society in general. Because where we're headed is not a great place. And if you just take a half a step back and look at it, it's fairly obvious. We can't continue to do this and thrive. You know, what's interesting is that, like, our mental health resources are growing, but our suicide rates are increasing. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yeah. Why is that? <laughs> it almost makes you just want to stop everything. We're like, well, let's go back to before we had those resources because it worked then. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, but I think it, it's a perfect example. It goes back to no one, there's no problem solving. There's no personal accountability. You know, if somebody else is going to fix this for me, well, when that somebody else isn't available. Or just won't because they shouldn't have to. Yeah. So do you think some of the issue might be that we rely on schools too much to teach our kids and not, they don't get that education at home and the support they need at home as a child because you have both parents working ungodly hours I think to stay afloat. To me, I've always, I've always imagined the home being the foundation and the school being the refining tool. Should be. And more and more, I mean, you know, we can look back at this pandemic, just the amount of kids that didn't eat because they weren't in school. So there's obviously yeah. so many more issues yeah. going on there. But I, well, I think kid, I mean, the suicide rate for kids went up, darn it, because they need that social interaction. Being at home and learning on a computer isn't going to work. It's not the same. And But guess what? I, if, if anything, it should have went down because get your ass outside. Yeah, but that's not. Yeah, but people don't want their kids to go outside because you can't because the way society is. I mean, how, child sex trafficking has been huge in the news, right? Mm-hmm. And really shining a light and missing kids and all that. It's hard to trust people. It's not like when, and I'm sure it was a problem when we were kids, but I mean, I know I got told to get out, get your bike, go with your friends. It was in a smaller town, don't get me wrong. Yeah, same here. But you could go and be gone all day long before you come back for dinner. Yeah. No cell phone, no nothing. That's great. Yeah, I mean, I spent. But small towns, you can get away with that. Cities? Yeah. No. I mean, I've, I spent every day that I was not in school outside. Mm-hmm. Year round, I was in the woods or I was outside, you know, in the yard doing whatever. We were always hanging out with friends. I was just making a mess. Dug a lot of holes. <laughs> a lot of ruts in the yard. No, we were so. building bike ramps and playing basketball, football, baseball. Yeah. Even it's, soccer. You know, or do, doing something, going to the, the town pool or this person's house, that, that person's house. We kind of rotated it during the summer. It was so much fun. I mean, we were, we'd have, we had a three-car garage back then. 
That's a huge Oh, there. Mr. Fancy Pants. Oh, really? yeah. I'm just going to humble brag here with a three-car yeah. garage. Are you done? Yeah. Okay. And everybody, you know, the whole, all the kids in the neighborhood would come, would be at our house till 2, 3 in the morning playing basketball. And there'd be like 20, 30 kids, so we'd rotate five on five. And everybody got, and you had from senior in high school to not even a kindergarten yet. And just the neighborhood. I can just imagine the moss thing that went on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I see, but it wasn't even like that. I mean, well, not, you not missed out on prime little, opportunities. Not yeah. to, not, we didn't do that to the little kids, but you know. Because I, I think I was maybe a eighth grader freshman. So were time. you the water boy? No, I was the guy that got my shot blocked all the time because <laughs> I had no height. <laughs> like I was just I was like, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of that clank. <laughs> Make it rain. <laughs> it's raining bricks. <laughs> like all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on my assist game. Yeah, <laughs> but you know it was, it was a lot of fun and no, there was there was hardly ever any fights. There's some arguments, disagreements, but parents never said anything because you're in the neighborhood. And, and no, it was so much fun, but you had that social interaction. Yeah, and everybody. Well, and I think that's another layer to that is you also knew where the boundaries were. You know, your yeah. parents taught you how to behave, mm-hmm. which led you to be able to socialize in a group without having those kind of interactions, mm-hmm. you know? You know, I hear people like, well, I'm a single parent. I ain't got time for that. My mom wants to work three jobs. Just still, like, it doesn't take time to talk and teach. You know what I mean? Like, well, so we've, we've had that conversation as far as mental health and being a priority, right? So it's about priorities. Yeah. And again, personal accountability. What's your priority? Is your priority that your child is going to grow up and be a productive member of society and not a total shitbag? Then guess what? You make time. You figure it out. And don't rely on other people to solve your problems. Be an adult. <laughs> we got way off topic. We we got so far off topic, but I I I still think it ties together. I if we're talking about well ex- expectations, expectations, yeah. I, but in regards to mental health, I mean, I I think it all plays a factor in it. Well, I I don't disagree at all. I mean, from day one, it it starts playing a factor. Yeah, even you mean you don't you don't realize it, of course, as a baby, but every your your brain does. Yeah, even well, though it's still forming and learning, but and I think. So those early formative years, right? So, you know, the interactions that you have with your parents, with your siblings, your family, and then going to school and the neighborhood and all that stuff. That helps you be able to cope and rebound from the trauma that you're going to see later on. Yeah. Because it, you start to develop those copings without even really knowing it. Well, I think letting a kid struggle a little bit, it's not a bad thing. It's like her, yeah. it's like her immunity for her mental health. <laughs> yeah. That, that's not a bad analogy. No, it, but, you know, letting that kid struggle a little bit, we're trying to figure something out. Don't just do it for them. If you just do it for them, they're not going to learn how I mean, to figure bigger how, things out. How many parents, I mean, what's the classic parent line? You know, like if your kid falls, your choice is, Run there in comfort and pick them up, 
or hide your ass around a corner and see what they do. Yeah. Like, you're still there. Like, and that's the thing. Like, being there sometimes means not being there. Being ready to catch them, being ready to support them. But, you know, just, I, I read a little story on Facebook, you know, whatever. So who knows if it was even true, but it talked about how every summer, you know, the this kid would take the bus and go visit grandma and dad would ride with him. And one year, you know, he finally got old enough. He's like, oh, I want to do it by myself. And so his dad's like, okay, well, you know, here you go. Here's a letter. Keep it in your pocket. If anything goes wrong, open it. And so the kid gets on the bus. He's like, ah, oh, Mr. Independent. And he got on the bus and he was having a hard time. He was scared. He was lonely. Mm-hmm. So he pulled open the letter. His dad wrote him and dad said, five rows behind you. And I, I, I think that's what it's got to be. It's there's, and even in regards to our mental health, like we can be there. You know, like for those that we love, for our friends, like they're always ha- like we'll be there, but there has to be the expectation of accountability. Like we have to learn and take pride in it. Take pride in overcoming things by yourself. Yeah. Like it, it, that's, that's lost and it's killing us. Yeah. Metaphorically and actually. Yeah. You always feel better whenever you accomplish something on your own. Yeah. I know it's not mental health, but that closet that I did. Yeah. I struggled. There's a lot of cuss words. (laughs) (laughs) I hit some stuff, but when I was done, you have that pride. You're just, your chest is out a little bit. You're, I still a little bit taller. I felt like I was five, eight. And you have vested interest (laughs) in it. it, I'm sorry, but here's the truth. It is no different than patches. It is the same reason you get upset with that. You have the pride and the accountability that you did that on your own. And when she breaks, you get a little more pissy because you're invested in it a little more. Mm-hmm. And if anybody can talk shit on patches, it's going to be you. Yep. Or those of us that may have towed it out. But what I'm saying. <laughs> what if you wrote it? <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like the, the, that, that applies to your mental health too. Yeah, it absolutely does. And knowing when enough's enough and that you have to ask for help. Because there's no shame in that. And or cut the cord. Yeah. Because there's, you know, there's no shame in saying, okay, I can't deal with this by myself. I've tried. And that's the thing. You got to try. You have to put effort in. Mm -hmm. Make the attempt. And then if you're struggling, 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 and you can't get it done, you can't get it done. Okay. All right. What am I missing here? Oh, it's this bolt goes here. Cool. Son of a bitch, I knew it. Yeah. (laughs) And then you can cuss and kick the tires and, you know, it's fine. But, yeah, at least make the attempt, you know, sort your problems out yourself or try. Sometimes you're going to need a professional. If you have multiple people telling you the same thing. But guess what's great when you can go into that professional and say, I've done this, 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 this kind of work. This didn't really work. This definitely didn't work. Here's kind of the situation. I'm thinking this. What do you think? Like, it's a it's a conversation. It is not a reliant, like, here, hold my hand and help me through this. It is a be a teammate and help me figure out how we how we can overcome this. Yeah. And it's like like Christy said earlier, it's just somebody else solved my problem. And it's That's what it seems like it's anyway. crippling. <clears throat> and so I mean, to any of any of our subscribers listening now, like that's the one thing I will encourage you to do, like Always ask for help. Always ask for help. But get game plan. 
get a plan of attack. You know, we see it. We, we see it in the medical field. We see it in law enforcement. We, you know, we see it in the fire service. We'll sit down and we'll say like, we pre, we pre-plan. Yeah. You know, like everything has an algorithm and we'll follow it as best we can. And then when things go awry, then say, Hey, help. Yeah. You gotta be able to think on your feet, but there's gotta be critical thinking involved in, you've got to have some sort of personal responsibility. And I'm telling you it works. We're all telling you it works. But you know, you're going to come, you're going to come to me with a problem. You better have a couple of solutions in your back pocket. Yeah. Or at least things that you've tried. Yeah. I mean, we tried five things and they failed. That's no shame in failing. Yeah. Michael Jordan said it best. How many times did he fail in his life? How many shots did he miss for a game winner? And what did he do? Picked himself up, brushed himself off and kept moving forward. Yeah. Six time NBA champion. And still better than LeBron James. He's 6-0 in the finals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. And so there is always a way forward. Always. There's you something. Gotta, you gotta clear that brush, man. Yeah. That's all it is. Sometimes you can't see the path. Yeah. And there's always something that you haven't tried, something that you haven't tried long enough and stuck with. You know, because that, and, a lot of it's a slow burn. Yeah. And that's the thing is everybody wants a quick fix. Guess what? Like we talked about earlier, this is not a quick fix thing. This is a, it's a process. It's not like you're going to go into the gym and do two push push-ups oh and come out looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's not how mental health works. That'd be awesome. It would be super awesome, but he's a little, he's a little too big though. That's what Thomas Jane the Punisher. Mm. Nah. Yeah, he he was that right ripped. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, does that bother you? What? I'll try. I'll try anything once. Fuck it. <laughs> but that's the thing is sometimes you have to do something for an extended period of time to see the results, yeah. you know, yeah. and Ar- mental Ar- health is get big. Yeah. Day. Mental health is very, it's what's the word I'm looking for. Um, you can compare it to like being fit physically to being fit mentally. It's the same thing. It's a process and it's something that you have to do daily. It takes a lot of work and having a good work, work ethic for it. Yep. Yeah. So, in honestly, since we're talking about physically fit, and we brought up Arnold. I saw a college speech he gave. It's the um, what's that called? Commencement yeah. address. Commencement. Uh, couldn't think of the word, but he was talking about how everybody said he was a self-made man, and he threw his bullshit flag on. He goes, "No, I had a lot of help along the way." So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, he got to where he was by working hard, but nobody saw all those people behind him helping him. Other bodybuilders. You know, new exercises. When he came here, he $23, I think is what he said. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Thanksgiving. They brought tons of food over to his place. Brought him plates, glasses, silverware, furniture. Stuff he didn't have. But that way he could keep working on his dream. Yeah. Same thing with mental health. Yeah, you've got, you're here. But to get here, you need some help. Somebody to push you along the way. But you got to do the majority of the work. Yeah. No shame in it. No, no shame at all. No. 
As long as you're doing the work. And people are going to, if you, if you stop doing the work, people are going to stop helping. Yeah. Like when you, how many times have I come over to help you with your Jeep? I mean, I'm not a mechanic by any means, but. Yeah, but you can hold a flashlight with the best of them. Damn right. Just go on as a kid. <laughs> and he won't scream at you like. <laughs> no, most I'll, dads. Because I'll throw his flashlight into the street and go home. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take this. I'm your only friend. <laughs> you yelled at me nine times. I swear to God, the tenth time I'm leaving. Yep. I will never talk to you until tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I mean, I'll text you when I get home. But you, but you ask for help, and if you, you know, if I, if you had to come out, come over to help you, and oh yeah, you're, you're gonna put the bumper on. No, I'm not. Yeah, it's not my Jeep. I'll help you. Yeah, you know, kind of like when my, my brother did the basement. It wasn't me doing all the work or him doing all the work. It was doing it together. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's a good place. Team yeah. effort. Yeah. We we started here. We did this a few times. <laughs> we went over here, back to here, but then we got See? back here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the Jeremy Bear me. What? Come on, that's not a good place reference. Oh, my God. That's the timeline in the afterlife. It's Jeremy Bear me. Love that show. I watched it four times already. Yeah. Maybe you should switch to something else. We just got HBO Max. Oh, speaking oh, of... Cause I want to watch the Batman, the, the, the Zack Snyder cuts. And there's a ton of stuff on there. Uh, I want to watch Westworld now. I've never watched The Sopranos. I'm going to watch that because Jane loves it. I found a good new movie on Netflix the other day. It's a couple years old. That's but an it's an oxymoron. It's called The King. It's on Netflix. Uh, I think S- I've seen previews for that. Story of, like, it would be Henry the Fifth. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Hmm. Definitely recommended it. Yeah. What was it you watched I, the other day? I watched Jiu-Jitsu yesterday, the new Nick Cage movie on uh, Netflix. Oh, I do want to So the stuff. premise of the movie is fantastic, right? It, if you like sci-fi. So the premise is every six years, this comet buzzes the Earth. And when that happens, this portal opens up and this alien comes through. And this alien is the one who basically taught the humans how to use martial arts to fight. Is Nick Cage the alien? No. Damn. So, but every six years he comes through and he fights nine champions to the death. And if they don't fight, like if somebody says, you know, they run away or they're not going to fight or they don't have nine or whatever... Then the alien stays and kills everybody. So, in the, you know, the alien can, like, basically you can't hardly kill him. I mean, you cut him up and stab him and whatever, and he just heals right back up for the most part. That's bullshit. Yeah. So, the, the premise is great. And it had some, like, Frank Grillo was in it. Tony Jaa was in it. So, it had some legit, like, action people in it. But it literally was probably, I don't know how long it was, maybe an hour and a half or whatever. But it was basically an hour and a half fight scene interspersed with a slow motion fight scene. And like, so the alien, the total ripoff of Predator, it could be invisible, but then it could run really fast. How are you supposed to beat that? Yeah. 
Well, they ended up. Don't tell me the movie. Yeah, I won't. I won't. But so I want to watch it. Yeah, they had a plan. Willie's Wonderland. Not watching. Nuke him. <laughs> All right, Duke. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, so. The premise of the movie was great. The execution was... Is it a Netflix movie? Um, it's in the Walmart bin. I don't think it was. I miss the Walmart bin. I don't like Walmart. But I, I, don't think it was a, I don't think it was a Netflix original. So... What movie was that? They're, they're making a second one of... Uh, Extraction. Extraction. Thank you. Yes. They're making a second one? Mm. Yes. Sweet. Because the way they ended it... Spoiled. Did you ever see The Old Garden? Yes. Yes. I love. They're making a second it. one of that too. I loved that movie. Yep. Because they set it up for a second one. Yeah. And they're gonna make with that extraction. So they never really said if he was dead or not. Yeah. So apparently they are going. It's going to be a whole series. Extraction, the extraction thing is. Ooh, yeah. Okay. See the Matrix Four comes out this year. I don't care. Uh, have you seen Godzilla vs Kong? Really oh. don't care. Oh, I'm so stoked. I saw the original one from like 1950. Have you seen the Snyder Cut yeah. yet? That was the best one I ever made. I saw part of the Batman vs. Superman, and the part I saw made a lot more. I was like, movie already makes more sense. So I can't. I've got it on my list. I just haven't. Uh, also, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is great. I haven't started. It's great. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet either. So. I've been busy. All right. Buying vehicles. Yeah. Well. Sounds like we all have a lot of TV to watch. So Yeah, since our last episode, by the way, Chris bought a new truck and I bought a new bike. <coughs> I have Jeremy, your turn. Yeah, no. <laughs> Bless you. I'm getting rid of things. Anybody wants to buy that a sucks. 1995 Jeep Wrangler YJ with a three and a half inch lift. Okay, do you really think anybody <laughs> who watches this is going to buy that after all of the trash we've talked on it? No, probably not. It's not bad, Jeep. I like yeah. the Jeep. It'll be fun for somebody. Yeah. So just not for me anymore. Get Cupkey so. to buy it. I no, I wouldn't sell it to him. He could offer me thirty thousand dollars for that Jeep, and I wouldn't sell it to him. That's dumb. I'll sell it to him for thirty thousand dollars. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> so. All right. <laughs> anyway, thanks for stopping by. Remember, if you're having a problem, tell somebody. Or if you know somebody that's having a problem, talk to them and take care of yourself.